another new episode of Cracking One Open with Mike and Elise. Uh, Sorry, I was just following your your intonation there. That's fine, I guess. I think yours was a little more than mine, but that's 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 more like the Halloween episode. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Anyway, baby, who knows what time of year it is? I yeah, I'm I'm stuck inside. I'm quarantined, yep. so I'm gonna need you to homeschool me today. What are we learning about today? Nah. Well, we are back this week featuring another collaboration from Tribus Beer. So uh, I don't know if this clicked with you. I didn't make the connection myself until I started to do a little bit of research for this beer. But this won't just be our fourth episode featuring a Tribus creation. Join the tribe! (laughs) (laughs) Three of them, including this one, have actually all been collaborations. Uh, The first one was Cereal Spiller, which they did with Counterweight Brewing in Hamden. Hold on, hold on. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Get ready to do that again, because the second was Bake Sale, which they did with Scratch Baking in Milford. Hold on, hold on. (laughs) (laughs) And now this week, we are coming to you with Cream. And this time around, Tribus has teamed up with Alvarium Beer, which is located in New Britain, Connecticut. Ooh, I do (laughs) love Alvarium. Yeah. I say I love Alvarium, but I haven't had too much Alvarium. Well, that's the thing. We haven't featured any beer on this podcast from Alvarium yet because they're not easy to find in the stores where we are. They're concentrated more in the middle of the state, but we, we've had some. I think, I don't know if I've had more and than the samples I had at Gathering of the Binds. Really? I don't think we have. Oh, interesting. But I will say that that's how much of an impression that left on me Yeah, was that that was the best beer at Gathering of the Binds. Was the Alvarium. You loved it, yeah. That was an amazing, amazing beer. And I I don't remember what it was. (laughs) I just remember it was Alvarium because I had a lot of beer. Yeah, yeah, you did. That was was an interesting day. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, we knew that we wanted to get our hands on this limited run beer. As we mentioned in last week's episode, uh, unfortunately, well, more unfortunate for you, our dear listeners, uh, but great news for Tribus, Cream sold out the same day that it became available. However... Literally not 10 minutes ago, um, I was checking their Instagram feed and they hinted that it might be coming back. Um, Our episode wasn't pointless. Woo! So that, yeah, we didn't expect that roadblock <laughs> when we planned <laughs> this episode. But good on Milford for showing up to support one of our best local breweries when business is uh, pretty much limited to curbside pickup right now. So cream which Tribus says stands for Cryo Rules Everything Around Me. So there's your your answer for, for why it's called Cryo. Um, and I'm sorry, I, I hope that someone will get this reference and appreciate it, but the way that they format the name Cream, uh, C period, R period, E period, it just reminds me of uh, this little song called Adidas by JC from NSYNC. <laughs> it stands for All Day I Dream About Sex. <laughs> It's not a good song, but it was right from when NSYNC broke up and everyone was trying to make a name for themselves. Isn't Cream also a famous band from the 60s and 70s? It is. Except it wasn't C period, R period, E period. It was just Cream. In the white room. With white curtain, red curtains? I don't remember. <laughs> Load it up, baby. Play the sample. There sample me. Yep, 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 yep. In the Okay, that's what it was. Okay. Got it. I'm sorry. (laughs) Anyway, this is the way my dream is that you're gonna put a sample from that song in there. That was before we even began recording, that was always gonna be (laughs) there. Thank you. (laughs) 
So the way Travis describes cream is, quote, we came together with our friends over at Alvarium Beer to bring you the creamiest and juiciest of IPAs using Cryo Idaho 7, an even more concentrated version of an already ridiculously dank hop. We topped it off with Belma and Citra to give you beautiful strawberry and mango notes. Mango. <laughs> All that on top of a luscious mouthfeel billowing from oats, wheat and lactose. It's one to remember. So obviously we've talked about Citra hops a lot. But Belma and Cryo Idaho 7 are definitely new hops for us. Belma? Belma hops are pretty new, having been released in 2012, and they sound very interesting. They've been tested as a dual-use hop for both aroma and flavor, and they were found to have, quote, an ambrosial mix of orange, melon, strawberry, and pineapple with a slight hint of grapefruit. So this lends itself to pale ales, New England IPAs, hazy IPAs, blonde ales, pilsners, and more. And Idaho 7 crops, according to Crosby Hop Farm, are, quote, named for its home state. A late maturing aroma hop, Idaho 7 practically drips with juicy tropical and stone fruit supported by sticky pine and fainter notes of earthy black tea. It's perfect for late additions, although it has high enough alpha acids for good bittering. So that's Idaho 7, but what Tribus used for cream is actually a little bit different. They used Cryo Idaho 7. Yeah, sci-fi so, it up. Yeah, so Cryo hops are hop cones that have been frozen with liquid nitrogen. That's what I'm talking about, yep. like killing the T-1000. <laughs> <laughs> and then, <laughs> does the T-1000 have lapulin glands? Uh, and then the lapulin glands are separated from the almost completely debittered leaf. So what's left are the concentrated bittering and oil containing portion of the hops that have an even more intense aroma and flavor without the risk of being super astringent. Hold on. You asked me if the T-1000 had lupulin glands. Yeah. I just looked it up. He does not. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so apparently this process has been around for a few years now, <laughs> but this is the first I've heard of it and it's pretty cool. So not a ton of hops are available this way, and I couldn't find an answer to why that is. If it's just because the method is newer or if it's that certain hops work better than others, I'm not sure. But I am surprised that we don't see it used more because there's a couple big benefits for home brewers and breweries. When you're able to remove the leaf, it essentially cuts the bulk of your hops in half so that you, ha you pay less to ship them. You have more room to store more of them. And it reduces the vegetation in the brew itself so much so that you might actually be able to get more beer per batch because the leaves aren't soaking up beer and then just being dumped. More beer? More beer. More beer. All right. Well, with that, lesson time is over. Homeschooling is over. Thank so let, God. let's drink. I told you I wanted to be schooled, but like I, I got my degree already. I'm good. <laughs> you got multiple. We both got multiple degrees. What are we doing here? <laughs> All right. Beer time. Beer time. And now it's time to crack it open. All right. Let's do this. That's a crack. That's a crack. It smells so fruity and yeah. sweet. You know, I, I was going to say, my buddy Dave, who uh, co-hosts two, two player bros with me. Mm -hmm. Shameless plug. He always mocks that he can't listen to crack one open because we smell the beer and we compliment the smells and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's like, it's the first thing I notice when you open up cream is how yeah. good it smells. You get that vanilla note right off yep. the top and it's just like. I wonder if that comes from the lactose. Ice cream. Maybe. I've had other beers though that, I've had plenty of beers that have lactose mm -hmm. though and like 
that's not Don't the first note the, yeah, or a note true. that you get at all when you're drinking it because yeah. it's covered by everything else. Mm-hmm. But this is like really, it just, I know it's called cream for other reasons. For, <laughs> you could say it's called cream for numerous reasons, but it's interesting that it's called cream and it kind of smells like vanilla. Creamy. Creamy vanilla. Yeah. But it's got a great head on top. Yep. Like a thick foamy head. And it is. That really stays. Opaque. Oh, this yeah, is you, a hazy boy. You can't see through. You can't see through this bad boy. Like no. I could put my fingers behind the glass, and it doesn't even whatever <laughs> doesn't light even was register. coming through Not even was already shadow. coming through. Yeah, it is a picturesque wise. This is a great picture beer of like an IPA because this is very yeah. cartoony. If you were drawing beer in a cartoon, this is what it would look like. <laughs> you would draw this beer. <laughs> it's true. I'll tell you what. It looks great in our Tribus Beer Co. mugs. Mm, that it does. Sorry, Alvarium. Like we said, we haven't been to your brewery yet, so we have not gotten your <laughs> mugs. But if they're Beacom Honeycomb themed, I'll want them. Yeah, <laughs> they do have some nice ones. I follow their Instagram. <laughs> so I think it's time we stop smelling this beer and we uh, clink these two glasses together. Ah! They're big mugs, so they, they more are. clonk together. They don't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they we, don't uh, clink, they clonk. <laughs> let's drink some of this beer. Yes. Which, spoiler alert, we've... No, you, I've... You had it. I had it. I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so interesting. I Good I can't stuff. recall any other beers that have strawberry in them, at, at least not as prevalent as this. This is the time where I go, bitch, what you talking about? For like three years straight, I would buy a strawberry Abita beer. Well, okay, but that's... You that's a straight had up- strawberry beer. Yeah, but when was the last time you found that? A long time ago because they took it away. <laughs> but I swear we had another beer, even on this cast, that said it had notes of strawberry in it. Mm-hmm. I could swear. Nope. Listen, if you weren't the one who hogged all the beer notes, <laughs> I'd be able to go back and check. Now, knowing that, you'd be like, oh, I delete all the notes after the fact. <laughs> you know I'm way too organized to do that. That's true. I could probably keyword strawberry. It'll pop up. You know what? Challenge. <laughs> You're calling my bluff because you know I'm far too lazy to look that up. You really get the strawberry in this, the notes? I do. I don't know. I still get that vanilla creamness. And I don't think you even list vanilla on one of the flavor profiles, did you? No. Strawberry and mango. Yeah. Travis listed are the primary. You know, it's interesting, though, because sometimes, you know, when you have those those fruit smoothie kind of things, even if Mm -hmm. it doesn't have vanilla ice cream in it, you still get that kind of back note of like a vanilla bean Mm -hmm. kind of a thing, like a dessert bean. Mm-hmm. I think maybe that's why it translates into vanilla. Maybe. It's like even that light bit of uh, banana you get sometimes in certain smoothies can give you a vanilla backbone to it. Yeah. And I think maybe that's how like the mango strawberry kind of does that. But I get a lot of that, especially. Well, I need one more sip to properly describe. <laughs> like it's it's kind of like the the backbone taste, the taste on the back of your mouth is almost like this is a compliment. It sounds like a backhanded compliment, that cheap vanilla ice cream you get, but like the ice cream sandwich bars that have vanilla in it. Oh. And then you smell the vanilla residue on it. OK, that's that kind of thing I get, which makes it sound not that great, but it is. It's nostalgic. It's that's, it's, a, that's a good vanilla. Yeah. Not even nostalgic. Yeah. It's it might not be like if you, vanilla if bean. Yeah. If you're talking ice cream sandwich vanilla. Then yeah. That's what I'm talking. Then fuck. Yeah. It's just still great. Yeah. This is awesome. I really do hope they bring this back. It's incredibly drinkable. It's refreshing. I wouldn't say it's super refreshing, but for as hazy as it is. It would be a little bit heavy in the summer. Yeah. It doesn't weigh you down as much as some heavy IPAs. No, no. Uh, But we've talked about other hazy IPAs that were way lighter. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to tell you that this is the lightest IPA. 
you might not be able to drink more than one or I mean, it's so no. good. It tastes so good. You might want to drink two of them. Yeah. And it doesn't weigh <laughs> you down that much. It's more rich. It is very Yes, it is really rich. It's like a dessert beer. Yeah. If we're out to dinner and we get a dessert drink and it's a beer, mm-hmm. I'll get I'll usually like if we're at like Colony Grill or a pub mm-hmm. and they have Guinness, I'll almost always treat myself to a Guinness at the end. Yep. Um, the milkshake of beers. Exactly. <laughs> or yeah, a stout or a chocolate beer or something that I know doesn't go with any food. Not possible. And something that I know is heavy, yeah. which I won't have because we'll usually have like, I think I've talked about this on the podcast, maybe in the last one. We have about three beers usually when we go out. Yep. Yeah. I think that, yeah, that was the last episode. Before food, during food, after food. Yep. You want your during food beer to complement the beer without being overpowered or overpowering your food. You so want the, your dinner beer to complement the beer? You know what I mean. <laughs> yes, but yeah, it needs to be something that goes with food. Yeah. The first beer, you don't want something too heavy. You want something light or at least not going to weigh you down. Mm-hmm. And then your third beer, you go nuts. Yeah. Whatever the fuck you want. Probably you don't want anything too light because you've just had the food. So you want it to kind of overpower at least a taste in your mouth. Yeah. But this is one of those beers and this is so much like ice cream. It's almost like getting the best of both worlds in your in your drink. Like if we were chilling at Tribus, Mm -hmm. well, A, I'd be like, oh, snap, they got cream. Give me a cream. Yeah. But if cream was maybe a regular staple, I wouldn't have it first. But I would almost always probably end End our time at Tribus as a cream. If I was having dessert, usually I'll like, I mean, it's it's quarantine time, so You'd have beer and ice cream at the same time if Why you want. Not? This is a great beer and ice cream dessert. That's true. Like this would not ruin my ice cream at all. And usually I'll have ice cream, then my beer or beer and then the ice cream. Mm-hmm. Usually if I'm going to have ice cream, I'll pour myself some bourbon or whiskey or scotch or something. Yeah. Something to kind of pair that pairs normally with ice cream. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this goes with dessert easily. I, I can feel, see this with I feel apple like pie. the lactose really tones back the... The pininess, like the resin, resininess that would be there. Oh, for sure. I don't get any hint of. I can detect it, but it's very subdued. I mean, yeah, you can detect it in the in the fact that it's an IPA. So invariably, I don't think you'll ever get rid of pininess completely. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if that's why they used the cryo, because it would be that much more enhanced so that it wouldn't be killed by the lactose. I'm pulling this yeah, out of my ass. It's possible. But you know, that, it'd be interesting, be guess. and I don't know if this is within Tribus's power or even if the other brewery I'm about to mention would be interested in doing it, mm-hmm. but Two Roads does their shop series Yep, where it's always the same pale ale. Yep. The same like malt base. And then they switch Everything up the hops. It's just the hops that change. So you really get a feel for what hops taste like. It's your own very novice introduction to hop flavors and what they, what I was going to say the apart. beer sommelier. Cicerone. Cicerone. Yeah, the very novice like Cicerone kind of, mm-hmm. here's hops, here's what each one tastes like, and you get to know. Yeah. I'd be very interested to see like a more mainstream IPA mm-hmm. and have the hops in that with the cryo and compare yeah. that with non-cryo. Yes. So these are cryo what hops? Idaho 7. So if I was able to try an IPA with Idaho 7 and then try the cryo Idaho 7. What the difference would be. I think that would be awesome to try that out. Yeah. Just to know the difference. And I'm sure that the guys at Tribus and Alvarium, they almost certainly know the difference between both. Oh, yeah. I'm Other, sure. Uh, yeah. There has to be a um, a method to the madness as to why you would choose cryo versus regular hops. Aside from probably the, mm-hmm. the reasons that I listed. 
Well, yeah, but reading about something and knowing something right off the tip of your tongue is two different things. Yeah. If I was, I mean, you might not have access to it. So you might just know what Idaho 7 tastes like and be like, well, let's throw the cryo in. Mm -hmm. But I would love to have a side by side. Yeah. And it's quite possible that they did Mm -hmm. and they tested it beforehand. But I just think it would be really cool to have two batches next to each other that allowed you to taste the cryo to the Mm non-cryo. Because this is, I'm all about sci-fi sounding stuff. And then the fact that they cryoed this and put it in liquid nitrogen makes it seem so cool. But also... Is it really that cool or is it like kind of lame and like it's cryo? It's like how like weed salesmen try to like go like this strain is totally different than this strain. And it's like, <laughs> is it though? Or is it all just kind of like weed? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, but I, I don't know either. I think you would really but, enjoy the pictures that I found of the hops that had been dipped in the liquid nitrogen. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Pretty awesome. I have some images in my brain. Again, it's all T1000 based. <laughs> it's all just billowing liquid nitrogen off of off of these hops. Yeah. It's it it all looks like a mixture of Demolition Man pulling Wesley Snipes from the ice <laughs> and and uh, at the end bashing him and the hops on the ground, which based on the Tribus's guys uh, quizzes that they have in their their brewery. Uh-huh. I'm sure that they they know exactly what I mean by the cryogenically frozen oh, Wesley Snipes. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think. All right, What's my I'm, boggle? I'm official. <laughs> How much you weigh? <laughs> I'm God. adding this to my bucket list. I want to dip something in liquid nitrogen myself and then immediately smash it and shatter it on the ground. <laughs> I've always been interested in nitroglycerin or in liquid nitrogen. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> nitroglycerin makes me sound like a completely different kind of person. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm afraid of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's really cool. And this is this is the second kind. I will say this is the second beer I've had that tastes a lot like this. We did. We had. I don't know if we did it on the podcast, but we had another beer. Yeah, might have been from Tribus that had the same vanilla, creamy. Was it Sprinkles? It might have been. I love Sprinkles. Did so we do much. an episode on Sprinkles? No, because we they, we never had it. Um, we never had the chance to get it in can. It might have been Sprinkles. Like I'd I'd have to I like I can't I'd have to go back in my food taste bud memory banks. Uh, that would be so cool if that was a thing. Uh, yeah, the world of altered carbon, you'd probably be able to do that. Yeah. I'm all about that cyberpunk life. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm pretty sure we had something that tasted exactly like this. Yeah. And it was, if you say it's sprinkles, it's probably Tribus, which I wouldn't be surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, two Roads probably wouldn't do something really like a this. style, no. No, Two Roads doesn't do stuff like this. Thimble doesn't do anything Thimble. like this. No, neither does Stony. None um, of our local brewers do. And Milford Point. This yeah. isn't something we would None of normally. our regular haunts. Yeah. And this isn't something that we would get from far away. This is something we'd have had on draft or mm-hmm. local and bring it back home. Yeah. For I'm sure. Pretty, Just um, the way it tastes. This is not something you'd ever really, maybe kegs from restaurants, but I don't think yeah. you'd ever ship this out of state canned or bottled. Not that it's not great. It's, it is amazing. But there's some beers that are better but local. This, I mean, than, yeah, this is something that they made as a, a small batch. So they wouldn't even really consider shipping it out of state because they'd, they'd rather cater to the local. Right. I'm just thinking of it in terms of how the beer is. It's it's yeah. it's like a Guinness. Who the fuck wants bottled Guinness? <laughs> like, gross. Come on, grow up. Go to a pub and get like it. Go and get it on tap. Like, I guess now that get a you, proper like, pour. you can't get a proper pour, I guess. Sure. OK. If you really want to get us that bad, go get a bottle. But normally, dude, it's not the same. Yeah. <laughs> like at that point, do you really like Guinness? Or do you just like saying like, ah. anyway? <laughs> Hot take. Beep, beep, beep. This is 
better than that other beer we had. And it's probably because of the cryo. I don't know. Sprinkles is one of my top tribus. I know. But if that's what the sprinkled was and it was this this vanilla cream, this is able to tame that tame every part of this beer other than that creamy vanilla texture Mm -hmm. and create a beer that is a dessert and a beer in one. It's and they don't put it in the description. So I'm going to say vanilla forward and I'm going to be called a moron because like, what are you talking about? It's it's clearly mango and strawberry, but it's like <laughs> vanilla. <laughs> um, but even if it's mango and strawberry, I love strawberry. So I'm cool with that. But yeah. It's so creamy and smoothie like or mm-hmm. vanilla like or ice cream like, however you want to say it. And has no tinge of alcohol. No. Of pine other than obviously like what you normally would have makes that very dangerous (laughs) (laughs) well i mean like you said you can't you can't just like throw these back like one after the other after the other after the other but i think that's less because the alcohol got that more because of the heft yeah of the beer itself it Mm. is so good i really want to try cryo cryo hops and like everything now just make this make me the same beer but with cryo hops can you cryo those from what i so not that i did like a deep research on cryo hops, but they seem to be very limited. Like I only saw as much as like 11 different hops being made as cryo hops on, on other websites while I was doing my research. And it only goes back so far as the earliest article I saw talking about cryo hops in the process of it was 2017. Baby. It's about time we got a bigger place. I'm going to designate an entire area to brewing. <laughs> and we're going to make two I'm beers. Done with that. One without cryo hops and one with cryo hops. For science. Exactly. <laughs> but anyway, that's all I got on this beer. Time for the can. Yeah. So the can is awesome. The can uh, is as awesome. always with Tribus. Yep. So it's purple, rock star like with like. Yeah, it totally reminds of me of red. like a it's hair, like, like a 70s or, or 80s hair band. Which is why the cream yeah, immediately reminded me of the rock band. Yeah. It's definitely like, yeah, 80s hair band. Uh, and it says cream. Cream's like a purple magenta kind of color. Really cool font with jagged edges. Very rock. On the bottom of the label, we get Tribus Beer Co. and the Alvarium Beer Co. Uh, labels. Mm-hmm. I didn't ask this. Can you get this at Alvarium? I don't believe so. Interesting. I have not seen it advertised that uh, makes sense. from Alvarium. So they they collaborate, so they advertise Alvarium from Tribus, which advertises yeah. a slightly further brewery. Slightly and likewise, I don't think, I mean, obviously Scratch Baking doesn't have a an alcohol license, so they can't sell bake sale. They just mm-hmm. had the little the little cans with the, the flowers oh, they made and the, the flower little cans. Out, yep. But I don't think that Counterweight sold cereal spiller either. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. I understand the I understand the logic behind all that. Yeah. So on the back, on the side of the one side of the label, it's very much an independent brewery kind of label. It's not like the two roads one we talked about before that covered can top to bottom. Yeah. It's one of your standard labels. You get one of Tribus's uh, classic descriptions of their beer. So it says cream IPA seven percent, Ido seven cryo, Belma, and then the funny description is liquid swords. Nice. <laughs> I don't. I. I like that description just because it gives you such a vivid like image in your brain. But I I've got to be completely honest. I don't know how it applies to the beer itself. I feel like it's because it's very, very metal. That's fair. It's swords okay. and stuff okay. like that. Swords and shields and knights <laughs> and fantasy and fighting and and all that kind of stuff is very, very early hair metal kind of. Yeah. And heavy. And metal what look. I like. I don't know if you can tell in this light, but I noticed in the in the other room, there's a very subtle um, shift in the purple. 
Yeah, there there's like shadows, almost like it's being backlit, like the letters are being Yeah, it's backlit. like you're in a rock concert, like yeah. a stadium kind of a yeah. thing. Yeah. No, it's it's really cool. Travis's cans are are all kind of understated and the label, the title of the label is mm-hmm. really what takes front and center. Yeah. And the art uh, is always fantastic. It's really cool. It really gets your attention mm-hmm. to the title of the beer, not necessarily the can, which is neat. Mm-hmm. So you like cream and you will always remember the name of the beer you had. Yeah. Which is nice. So yeah, after that, I'm done talking about cream. Okay. Hit me up with something. What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? All right. So first, uh, a one-off. Um, last year, when Netflix released the first season of Dead to Me, I blew through it and I believe I, re- well, I definitely reviewed it here on the mm-hmm, podcast. Mm-hmm, I don't, mm-hmm. I just don't remember what episode it was. The cast is fantastic. The story's great. And it took so many different twists and turns. But the last time we talked about it, season two was just a rumor. Well, good news because the trailer for season two was officially released last week. It's not very revealing as to what the the plot of this season might be. It's only a minute long and it's mostly a reminder of where we left off last season. But still, we've got Christina Applegate and Linda Cardellini back. And Christina told uh, the Los Angeles Times earlier this year, quote, we've had some stuff in season two that is the most intense stuff I've ever had to do as an actor in my life. Uh, Considering how rough season one was for her to film, that I think says something. So season two, Dead to Me, dropping, I assume, in its entirety, although it was not specified in the trailer, on Netflix on May 8th. So check it out. I know I will be. And I'll probably report back with uh, how it was. What you got? (gasps) All right. Well, I have two things. One thing is the thing that you told me earlier that you think that I was going to talk about. And the other thing is the thing I was actually going to talk about. Okay. So this is a fun guessing game. I'm going to start with the thing you thought I was going to talk about. Okay. So it was announced yesterday that the last five episodes of Rick and Morty season four have been announced in their titles. Wrong. Oh, (laughs) so season four, the second half of season four is going to start on May 3rd, 2020. And that's basically, you know, half a half a year after we got the first half. So they're really this is technically season five. They're eking it out. Yeah. Mm. They might have gotten a contract for 72 episodes episodes and said, we can sh- we can we can shovel them out so much faster. But in classic Dan Harmon style, they're still delayed. Yeah, because- no, they're taking their time because they they worked on a whole different, completely series. Yeah. But is that because Justin Roiland just had that much time because Dan Harmon was as slow as, as all hell about getting up and going to the uh, studio every day? Yeah. Like at that point, it's that's like also possible. I love Dan Harmon, but he's also kind of. Yeah, I understand why NBC fired him. Yeah. Not to say, Dan Harmon, if you're listening to this podcast, you are a genius and geniuses usually have a lot of issues. (laughs) So I understand. But also go to work. Rick and Morty. (laughs) Uh, But it comes back May 3rd, 2020, and they released the episode titles, which sound pretty awesome. Yeah. So season four, episode six is going to be called Never Ricking Morty (laughs) with the catch line, choo choo, bro. Catch this train, bro. Season four. None of their descriptions, their episode descriptions make any sense. Going to be a lot of death in this one, bro. (laughs) Yeah, there's always a bro in there. Yeah. Episode seven. It's called Promortius. Get off my face, bro. Episode eight. The vat of acid episode. The one with the (laughs) the one with the acid vat, bro. (laughs) Episode nine. Child Rick of Mort. 
Miracle of life, bro. Whole family in this one, bro. Episode 10. Starmort Return of the Jerry. Parenting is crazy, bro. Stuff straight disappearing in this one. I'm I'm excited for that because that that totally sounds like Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's pretty interesting. Starts May 3rd, ends May 31st. So basically there's five weeks in May, apparently. I just learned that now. And um, <laughs> Looking forward to that. Obviously, you can catch Rick and Morty on Adult Swim and mm-hmm. on Hulu right now. You can catch it. They're all available. So go watch Rick and Morty. If you haven't started Rick and Morty and watch Rick and Morty now. What are you doing with I, your quarantine? Yeah, I know it's a cartoon and it's on something called Adult Swim, which is on the Cartoon Network. So it doesn't sound smart or cool. But this show is so clever, so mm-hmm. smart, so dumb at the same time. Yeah. If you're a fan of science fiction, if you're a fan of smart writing, if you're a fan of The Simpsons, if you're a fan of Futurama, if yeah. you're a fan of basically anything that's even sci-fi yeah, there's, or cartoon there's so adjacent, many you should be watching this show. Yeah. And not only that, but like you have to admire it for its rewatchability. Oh, yeah, you, you can catch it a thousand jokes. times. Yeah. Three, four times I've seen episodes that I'm still picking up new things. There's always stuff and in the background. Stuff old. comes back around. Yeah. It's awesome. It's just so good. And in four seasons, they've maybe had one or two episodes that aren't even stinkers. They're just they're just not the best, not the best. Whereas the other because the other episodes are so the best. And I mean, like off television. Yeah. (laughs) Rick and Morty is fantastic. And and if it's not something you're looking forward to this season, like you've got plenty of time to catch up. I quote it all the time at work with my coworkers. We quote it all the time with each other. Like it, it ah, the writing is just so good. It's it's such a good show. I'm pretty sure I was wearing Rick and Morty underwear yesterday. Yeah. When I was wearing <laughs> Rick and Morty uh, shirt the last time that we were talking about an episode because we made some kind of reference and you were like, yeah, you're wearing the shirt right now. It's true. <laughs> Can't help but make references. So get in the pop culture zeitgeist and watch Rick and Morty. Get it. So that's what I got. You got anything else? I do. Oh, my God. OK, so I promise this is going to be the last time I bring up Tiger King. Oh, my God. <laughs> Unless like Carol Baskin actually gets arrested for killing her husband. But this past weekend, um, as I mentioned in our last episode, Netflix released a follow up special hosted by Joel McHale called The Tiger King and I. And in true quarantine style, McHale was hosting from his house while everyone was being interviewed from their respective homes with the whole Brady Bunch Square like group chat thing going it's on. It's a story <laughs> of a crazy lady yep. who fed her husband to some tigers. <laughs> She put sardine sardine oil on his body and they ate his body up and now she's free. That was good. The Tiger King. <laughs> do, 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 the Tiger King. Uh, and now, listeners, you have a, a just a small glimpse of my life. <laughs> that was all ad-libbed. Um, and I have all to right. say. I don't know why she's still here. <laughs> she's been quarantined with me for weeks. It's true. I mean, let's be real. I've been quarantined with you for 14 years. (laughs) (laughs) So I have to say, while the Tiger King and I was fairly entertaining and offered uh, some behind the scenes insight, it was a little underwhelming seeing as literally none of the big cat owners made an appearance um, aside from Jeff Lowe, who makes my skin crawl. So it's because he just loves the attention. Uh, Carol Baskin's been getting death threats. Drew Exotic is in prison. And Don looks like a creepy well, serial rapist. So he's like, not coming down and doing yeah. the show. Yeah. Um, and how do I know those names? I've only seen three episodes. It's true. Ugh. But seeing as Joe Exotic was able to participate in the original documentary from jail, just doing his little like phone interviews, I'm surprised that he didn't jump on the chance 
seeing as he's such an attention whore. Oh, I didn't realize. I see. I didn't see those episodes where he was modern on the like where he was in jail on the show being interviewed. Oh yeah, no, he's uh, he was doing some phone interviews with some fantastic new bangs. (laughs) But yeah, the the whole eighth episode hype was definitely just that hype. Uh, Slate referred to it as more of a post game roundup, and I'd say that's more accurate than just being in like a new episode. It was like after Game of Thrones or after Trek or after Walking Dead. Yeah, Talking Dead. All these different shows. Ta- uh, Breaking Bad, yeah. Most of the people who did participate in the episode, though, were a little bit more candid this time around, I feel like. It probably shouldn't come as a surprise that Joe Exotic's treatment of the animals was actually a lot worse than the original episodes implied or rather conveniently left out. So it's like, yeah, I, I, I get it now why some of his employees would prefer to, for him to rot in jail. Maybe he tried to hire someone to kill a killer, but as a cat lover, straight up shooting his own tigers to uh, make room in his cages for new ones while simultaneously using one of his employees to lure them into a sense of safety because the tigers trusted him the most. That was when I was like, nah, see you, Joe Exotic can rot in jail. <laughs> The horse story is what pissed me off. And yes. I had read about that before we watched the episode together. Because really? I had read an article about the episode. Okay. And I had, so I knew that was coming up. Um, and I was like, what a f- piece of garbage that, yeah. like, rotten jail is too nice for him. Yep. It's too nice for anyone on the show, really. Well, not, I, some of his employees, I think, were, they, they were complicit, but not necessarily com- comfortable with it. You know my thoughts on trailer trash. Yeah. They can all burn, especially when they're mistreating the animals and feeding them spoiled Walmart meat. Yep. So, yeah, I feel no sympathy to anybody. (laughs) But yeah, overall, if you if you watch the series already, you might want to go back to this because it does it does answer some questions, but it also raises a lot more. It doesn't like it's not like things get wrapped up in a neat little bow. Um, And if you're watching the series now, just go ahead and power through it. Just be aware that it's a little jarring and the difference in the way that the the episode was produced. And it's not actually a continuation of the series. And it's not really satisfying. Uh, I thought it was very satisfying when Joe McHale admitted that. And this episode just proves that I'll do anything for money. Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, that's been that's been evident for years. (laughs) You're a celebrity, too, right? And he just says. Uh, yeah, that was back in 2009. Yep. That was about my, uh, that Tops. was, that was my, uh, that was when my star rose. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, but I like Joe McHale, so props to him. Oh, I love Joe McHale. <laughs> yeah. He, he seems like a, a dick, but like someone that's like also hilarious. He seems like a genuinely down to earth kind of dude. Yeah. Just maybe I'd, watch I'd like a little, beer with him. touch too much reality TV for me. Cause obviously it's his job, but. Yeah. Well that was, that was, yeah, that was his deal back yeah. in the day was the soup. I would go insane. <laughs> The soup was great. I used to watch that with my dad. The soup was good. He was funny. <laughs> yeah, that's what I got. What's your What's your second piece of news? All right, maybe my is it what I predicted? Maybe my second piece of news will be what you predict. But uh, before that, <sighs> you, you and your dramatic cracks. <laughs> I am currently going to be having a shower beer. Also, what what? Bud Tribe is brew it. <laughs> You've been holding on to this one. It's a It's a treasure. I have. It's because we bought a ton. I don't want to say too much Tribus beer on our last trip because I, <laughs> I don't Is think there there's such a thing? a thing, but we bought a lot of Tribus yeah. beer last time. 
uh, for cans. So we were going through what we had before, plus all the other different varieties. Cause you know, we like other breweries too. And so we got to my shower beer mm-hmm. and now I'm enjoying shower beer. So I'm going to pour me a fruited Ooh, sour. That is so red. It matches your shirt. Oh, it does match my shirt, which is bright red. It's still really foamy, but it's, it's like so craggy. It's like shaving cream or bubble bath foam. It's such yeah. a different. We always talk about different type of foam in beer. Mm-hmm. And there are. This definitely, yeah, this definitely has a different type of foam than heavy IPAs or IPAs. It's very interesting. So fruity. Super fruity. It goes well when paired with the cream. Like after I had the cream, you, you really? had that. You know how I, I love sours. But fun fact, I have really bad acid reflux. All I get time. heartburn constantly and everything I love gives me heartburn because I love sour beer and ridiculously spicy food, like spicy food to the point where people that like spicy food go, you're too much for me. Like, <laughs> like my brother and I just eat hot peppers. Like yeah. We grew Reaper ghost peppers. peppers last year and they ate them raw. No, I ate the Reapers raw. Oh, the Carolina Reaper, which is, I mean, granted yeah. it was also thanks Michelle. A challenge. Yeah, it was, it was tough. My cousin grew them, but, uh, well, she gave us the, the plant seedlings. to grow. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, she grows a bunch of peppers. But all that gives me heartburn. So I'm saying that having that kind of more creamy, hazy IPA, maybe it's the lactose. Mm-hmm. I have the sour beer and I don't feel any kind of burn that I would normally feel like. Normally I drink this and go, hey, Mike, <laughs> you got those heartburn pills ready? That's what the sour beer would normally say to yep. me. But now I'm like, whatever, man, I'm good to go. But we're on the pop culture segment, so I'm sorry. But Tribus, your <laughs> stuff's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so Warner Brothers Pictures just started releasing photos of their new Dune movie directed by Denis Villeneuve, which I just looked up on YouTube a little while ago to make sure I pronounced his name kind of correctly. Is this what you thought I was going to talk about? No, it is not. Oh, my God. You're going to have to tell me what you thought later. <laughs> so... Dune is something that I really like. I don't talk about it a lot because there's not a lot of Dune out there. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, I've never read the Dune novel yet. So people that are hardcore Dune fans would probably call me a poser, I guess. (laughs) And I kind of am. I feel bad never reading the books. And now that I have a lot of time off, uh, because uh, anybody who doesn't know who what I do as a day job, I work at a movie theater, so... I ain't doing that anytime. I ain't doing that anytime soon. So I got plenty of time. Mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of time. I'm doing a lot on the side. You are. You're almost busier now than you were before. (laughs) Uh, I'm thinking about getting Dune to read on my downtime as one of the things I want to read because I've always liked Dune. Uh, I loved the Frank Herbert presents Dune or Frank Herbert's Dune miniseries from Sci-Fi Channel Mm -hmm. back when they used to do awesome miniseries once a year. I remember Uh, that coming out. I didn't watch it, but I remember. I'm going to make you watch. I have it on DVD somewhere. We're going to watch it before the movie comes out. It is awesome. I love that version of Dune. And I'm not sure how closely it adheres to the book. I'm sure it does kind of closely Mm. because it was well reviewed, I believe. Uh, The second Children of Dune based on the second book was not very good. Uh, I didn't like it anyway. I don't know how that close that adhered to the book, but the miniseries itself wasn't good. But the original Dune miniseries was so good and tackled so many different themes and Mm. issues and such an interesting story. And you could tell it was the basis for so many things like Tatooine um, from Star Wars okay. or Tatooine. I don't know why I call it Tatooine. I hate what people call it Tatooine. That was the first thing oh, I said. Oh, that's a thing? Oh, yeah. Oh. Even within the movies. But it's a completely desert planet. Uh, it's called Arrakis, the actual planet, but its nickname is Dune. It's a desert <laughs> planet and people fight for the spice melange, which is basically this sandworms, like the sandworms from Beetlejuice are inspired by them. Mm-hmm. And it's this sandworms poop. 
basically that's mixed in the sand and it allows the user to have this control over it's basically a drug but if you take it within regulation or you take it within small doses a your eyes turn a glowing blue why and when you're space traveling you can see hyperspace routes so without it you're pretty much blind going through warp speed but with it you can know where you're going and there's a certain subspecies of human Mm -hmm. that is now basically a huge pink glowing alien body at least through the david lynch version of the movie they're pink (laughs) aliens but basically these no david lynch didn't actually do he did Dune, the, <gasps> the 1980s Dune, which I've never seen. And I love David Lynch. And that's why I haven't seen it yet, because I'm afraid to. But maybe <laughs> before this new Dune, I'll watch it. But I've been always been afraid to watch that. I love David Lynch. I've watched basically every movie he's ever put out. Yep. Except his Dune. And it's because I love Dune yeah, and I love David, David Lynch. Lynch than I have. Yeah, I love David Lynch and I love Dune. Even and I'm though af- I've watched Twin Peaks literally like four times. <laughs> I'm afraid to watch Dune because... It's his only, I mean, Elephant Man is pretty mainstream, but he, it's mainstream. I've heard it's really bad, but it's also got a huge cult following Mm -hmm. and it stars Sting as one of the bad guys. And you know, I love Sting. Oh yeah, obviously. Uh, The singer, not the wrestler. (laughs) And it's also obviously Kyle MacLachlan has to play David Lynch's main character, Paul Atreides. And it's just like, I haven't been able to bring myself to watch it because I just, it's tough watching a train wreck, (laughs) but I might have to watch it for this movie, but. Basically, you're on this planet, uh, Arrakis. There's aliens that take the spice melange who are actually humans that just have been evolved from taking the spice for so long. And without spice, you can't move shipments. You can't move cargo. You can't go from planet to planet as easy. Mm -hmm. So spice is very coveted. But all these different houses in the far future, it's like thousands upon thousands upon thousands, maybe even tens of thousands of years in the future. So you have House Atreides, House Harkonnen, who used to own Dune, but gave it up to House Atreides. And a whole bunch of other houses. And essentially it's all honor based, kind of medieval almost, Mm -hmm. which is very much like Star Wars. So it's like very grungy sci-fi like Star Wars is, if that makes sense. And the photos that they've shown on the set of Denis Villeneuve, Villeneuve, Villeneuve? yeah, Denis Villeneuve, uh, his Dune (laughs) looks awesome. The still suits look like still suits and the still suits is what people in Arrakis, the Fremen, the people of Dune, wear to basically convert their sweat pee into drinkable water and moisture for their bodies because when it's in a completely arid land you have to (laughs) this is tens of thousands of years in the future i think they can get the grossness of the pee out of there and if you don't like you and i are going to mars in the future baby i'm sorry we're taking that vacation trip the (gasps) sinks and the showers are all converted pee get used to it (laughs) um but the still suits look really good. The pictures of all the cast look awesome. Basically, they've only pretty much showed off House Atreides so far. But uh, and I got to tell you, the cast and this is just House Atreides. And I'm going to go over some of the uh, the cast right now. Timothy Chalamet plays Paul Atreides, the main character. And Timothy Chalamet is an amazing actor, mm-hmm. regardless of what I have said about past episodes about him being a douche, I think, in yeah. real life, because yeah. he just kind of comes off of yeah. like a Justin Bieber type. Like wearing yeah, hoodies, be like, hey, what's up? On like TikTok and, and Instagram, he's just like, yeah. Oh, he does that? Ugh. Yeah. Well, he's young and dumb, so that's fine. But he plays Paul Atreides, the main character. He's supposed to be a young man in the in the books. Oscar Isaac plays Duke Leto Atreides, his father. And that's awesome because Oscar Isaac is awesome. And this is the far future, so people don't age the same. So, you know, okay. having a 20-year-old son is fine for Oscar Isaac, even though Oscar Isaac is, really? would yeah, have had that- to have been really young for okay. it. Okay. Which you'll see coming up as well. Zendaya plays 
uh, Chani, who's one of Paul Atreides, uh, he's her love interest. She's a Fremen. Mm-hmm. Zendaya, I have never listened to her songs. I guess she's a singer. She's in the Spider-Man movies, the modern Spider-Man movies as Mary Jane. She's okay. actually really good. She's also a fantastic actress. Mm-hmm. Rebecca Ferguson plays Lady Jessica. And if you know what Rebecca Ferguson looks like, she was in the P.T. Barna movies. She's in Mission Impossible. She's been in a bunch of movies uh, lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's obviously very young as well to have someone as old as Timothy Chalamet play his mother. But really? oh, that's it's so all about bizarre. like she doesn't age the same. Yeah. Uh, and she's an amazing actress as well. Josh Brolin plays Gurney Halleck. He's another person who's on House of Trades. Mm-hmm. He's one of the swordsmen. Obviously, I don't have to tell you who Josh Brolin is. He's a fantastic yeah, he's actor. Awesome. Jason Momoa plays Duncan Idaho, who's essentially <laughs> Paul Atreides' bodyguard. That's cool. Also a great actor who's also in the pictures clean shaven with short hair. Really? Uh, yeah. That he, sounds so bizarre. I don't think since Baywatch he's ever had a uh, been that clean cut. So that's going to be interesting. <laughs> So the photos of these guys are the ones that they've pretty much shown off so far. Mm-hmm. Paul Atreides and Rebecca Ferguson in their still suits. The entire um, Atreides clan standing across a table. It all looks very Dune, very cool, very subdued uh, in terms of the cinematography, I guess, of the the photos. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get a feel of how that's going to look. And obviously, if you've seen Blade Runner 2049, you know that cinematography is a big part of anything. Then it then oh, Villeneuve does and Blade Runner 2049 if you know me you know that that's my favorite movie of in, in a long time that's one of my top movies Very long, yeah. I love that movie I think that's one of the like a perfect movie but rounding out the cast there's other great people who just aren't part of like his enemies or uh, just other people that aren't within his house Dave Bautista plays uh, Glasu Rabin I, I hope I'm saying that right so obviously Dave Bautista is famous for one. He's a UFC fighter and he's from the WWE, but he's also Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy. He was the bad guy inspector. He was actually in Blade Runner 2049 in the beginning as a character. Oh, really? He's the one that Ryan Gosling has to fight at the very beginning who goes, do you even know what you're doing or do you even care what you are? And he shoves him through a wall. Okay. And Ryan Gosling, spoiler alert, kills him. Spoiler alert for a two-year-old movie. Yeah. So he's going to be a character. Javier Bardem plays Stigler. Nice. Which is pretty cool. Uh, so Stigler is the leader of the Fremen and uh, Chani's, I think Chani's father, not positive, but uh, he is one of the people that leads Paul Atreides to kind of learn that, hey, don't only think about the spice, think about the people on Dune mm-hmm. that process your spice and that also live here and are the people that know this planet the best. And Javier Bardem, I don't have to tell you who he's in and how awesome he is. Stellan Skarsgård plays Baron Vladimir Harkonnen, the main bad guy and leader of the Harkonnen family who are the bad family, the evil family. In the book and the popular culture, video games, comics, anything you read about him, or even in the David Lynch film, he is hugely obese. So they're probably going to do some special effects to him. But he is awesome. In Thor, he was the scientist that uh, works with Thor and stuff Mm -hmm. a lot of other times. He's also been in a ton of other movies. So he's great. Hopefully he'll do a great job. It's just... I can go over the co- uh, the rest of the cast like all day. There's just a whole bunch of people that you've seen in other things. It, it just it's hopefully going to be an amazing movie. And the pictures show a lot about the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time they've finally shown us some of the movie. This movie comes out Christmas and it's the big oh, sci-fi wow. event movie. Yeah. And they're hoping to make it. They're t- taking the first Dune book and turning it into two movies. Mm-hmm. So obviously the first Dune book is very dense. It talks about religion, politics, uh, ecology, colonization, all that. It has so many different themes in this book. It's also a coming of age story. It's so many things in one novel. And as a seminal novel that inspired 
if you like science fiction, like I love science fiction, it inspired all of it. Star Trek, Star Wars, yeah. uh, Aliens, Predator, the Sandworms and Beetlejuice, for God's <laughs> sakes. Anything you watched that's even science fiction <laughs> tinged was touched by Dune in some way. So obviously Denis Villeneuve, Villeneuve has said that, you know, this is the hardest thing he's ever had to make because there's so much nuance to it. There's so much about it. And it's so hard to make this into a complete film series mm. or a television series. There's so much going on in this. And he's the guy to do it. I'm very excited for it. I would love to see a trailer soon because like I said, it comes out around Christmas time. I'm, I'm, I'm just really stoked to see a trailer because Dune is an amazing story. And I promise I'll read the book and stop being such a poser. But <laughs> the miniseries is great. There's a game on the PC that was a strategy game, which was Dune, which is amazing. There are numerous books and artists have done a bunch of Dune stuff. And just I, I really like Dune. And I'm really excited to see Dune get its proper due on the uh, big screen. So that's what I got. Okay. Check out those photos. It's from Vanity Fair. But okay. you can see them all over the place online. All right. So is that all you got for us this week? That's all I got. I'm sad I didn't guess what you were going to, you thought I was going to do, but <laughs> that's what I got. All right, Dune well, and Rick and Morty. <laughs> and once again, this week we were enjoying Cream from Travis Brewery in Milford, Connecticut. And Alvarium Beer Co. Uh, so if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and subscribe to catch our future episodes. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Uh, pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Kraken1Open. Uh, you can also shoot us an email at Kraken1Open at gmail.com. Is there anything you, you want to plug? Gee, I don't know. Maybe the two other podcasts I do. I've got Forgotten Cinema that I do with my buddy Mike Field. comes out every Wednesday. It's a podcast about uh, movies that for some reason seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the movie simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We discuss what we love about the movie or maybe don't love about it, but we always recommend you revisit it. I've also got two player bros that I do with my buddy Dave Cannon, where we take a deep dive into a different video game every episode that comes out every Thursday morning. We talk about who made it, why they made it, our thoughts of the game. Usually it's a more modern game, but we'll dip into anything from the past or future with all consoles available. Both those podcasts are available wherever podcasts can be found, as well as reaching us on the social medias on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that kind of good stuff. <laughs> and a special thanks for our theme, which was composed and performed by Joe Reichert. Until next time, baby. <gasps> Cheers.